0: was just after Peter's confession. You'll remember they had been at Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus had asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And after a few other answers, Peter said, You are the Messiah, or as some of the Gospels say, The Messiah, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus went on to tell them that the Son of Man would suffer many things and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And even beyond that, saying, if anyone would follow me, let him take up his cross and follow me. It was just a few days after those remarks that Jesus took with him Peter and James and John up a high mountain apart, and there he was transfigured before them. I like to say they got a glimpse of his glory. Just a glimpse of his glory. They saw him, his his clothes were radiant white, he was speaking with Moses and Elijah, and they got a glimpse, a glimpse there of his glory. I say a glimpse, it doesn't really tell us how long this whole affair took. My suspicion is it was just instantaneous, it was short maybe a few seconds, a few minutes, probably not over an hour. I can't imagine them being there for a day, just staring at, at Jesus. Maybe they were. It doesn't tell us. Peter uh, thought they were going to stay. He said, let me build three booths. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. But it was at precisely that point that a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice spoke to the cloud, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him when the cloud departed, all they could see was Jesus. <clears throat> only Jesus, only Jesus. But they got a glimpse of Jesus, a glimpse, a glimpse. 2,000 years later, <laughs> what are we to take from this story? I think most of us, now I, I can't speak for all of you, I can only speak for me I guess but that's what most of us get is a glimpse of his glory we don't get to see it all the time I don't know that we could stand seeing it all the time, but we get glimpses we get glimpses here and there they, they come and go, it's little things it happens not only that we get glimpses of the kingdom, glimpses of the kingdom. You know, in the verse just before this, chapter nine, verse one, the very verse before this, Jesus says to to, to the crowd and to his disciples, there are some standing here who will not see death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Now, many people have wondered, did Jesus not know what he was talking about? That we've been 2000 years and the kingdom has not come with power. And was he just wrong? Well, I don't think he's wrong at all. Now, not everybody agrees with this interpretation. I've got to be honest with you. But I think he was just, frankly speaking, about what was to happen. Peter and James and John saw the kingdom come with power. They got a glimpse of the kingdom when they saw Jesus transfigured. Because, you see, that's what the kingdom is. It isn't about, it isn't about land. It isn't about a place. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of Kingdom. Wherever Jesus is, wherever he comes, wherever he makes himself present, the kingdom of God is present. The kingdom of God, he says, is in the midst of you when he comes. When he comes, it's, it's gosh, right here? Right here, in the midst of you. So they got a glimpse of the kingdom. We get a glimpse of of the kingdom, a glimpse of the kingdom. When we see Jesus coming, he comes into our midst. Does that mean we understand everything, that that we get it all? I don't think so. In fact, if if you read Mark very carefully at all, you'll find out that Peter didn't get it either, nor did the other disciples. Mark's gospel, is, if, if you read Mark's gospel, just read it all by itself and block out the other three. And you'll find that he thinks the disciples are the dumbest people in the world. They just don't get anything. The demons understand, the poor, the sick, and the broken understand, but the disciples do not. But in this moment, I, I, you see, that's what I think is so important. Still, Peter and James and John got this glimpse of his glory. I don't think they understood, they didn't understand but it was given to them so that after the resurrection, they would what? Then they would get it. Then they would, yes, this is the one. They would understand. We get glimpses of glory in the same way. We get glimpses of glory. I, th- I think we live our lives. But like when, you know, when you're maybe reading your Bible, or you're in a study group, or you're at prayer, or hopefully when you're in this group, You get glimpses of glory. It doesn't happen every time, or if it does for you, God bless you, you're you're a lucky person. (laughs) But it doesn't happen to many of us. It happens here and there sometimes. And when it does, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I know people who've had those glimpses of glory and and then it fades away and they feel lost. But uh, it'll come. Just stay close to the word, the community, the service. It'll come. That's his promise. I'll come to you. I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. There will be glimpses of glory. Where I really want to go to this story, though, is is what happens in the end. Because, you know, Peter wanted to build those, those three, three booths. Well, I, I think, first of all, I think Peter thought Moses and Elijah and Jesus, that's kind of the triumvirate. You know, the three, Moses, Elijah, Jesus, they're kind of all equal. Hmm? I think Peter thought that. So I built three booths. When the voice comes, what happens? No more Moses and Elijah. Jesus only. Who did they see? Jesus only. Now, some people read their Bibles just like Peter did. They they say, well, the Bible's kind of about Moses and Elijah, or the law and the prophets and the gospel. And and it's all kind of all fits together. Not really. The stories about Jesus, and the law and the prophets point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. That doesn't mean they're not important. They're very important, but they're important because they point to Jesus. We read the Law and the Prophets in the light of Jesus, not specifically the other way around. Let me give you a couple examples that I think are really important. You know these examples. I'm going to give them to you anyway. In the the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins by saying what? You have heard it said, but I say unto you. What? He's saying that he's more important than Moses, isn't he? I think he is. Not that Moses isn't important. He certainly is. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the straight goods. I'm going to give you the, the correct stuff. Let me give you one other little example that, that I've thought about for years and years and years. In the Christmas story, if you go to, to the book of Micah, the book of Micah says that Bethlehem is the least of the clans of Judah. Go to St. Matthew, and Matthew tells the story in the second chapter, and, and he quotes he quotes uh, Micah, and what's he say? Bethlehem is by no means least of the tribes of Judah. What's he doing? He's saying if Jesus comes from Bethlehem, what? It isn't the least of the tribes of Judah. He just literally changes what Micah says. Because he knows he's got it right this time. Jesus is this ruler who comes from Bethlehem. A great ruler. So we understand the Old Testament, and this happens again and again. In in the Gospels, in Paul, in Hebrews, it happens again and again and again understand the Old Testament in the light of Jesus and the Gospels. But finally, finally, the voice says from heaven, this is my son, beloved, listen to him. Now, go back in the story, this is a a, a visual story, isn't it? They see, they see Jesus in his glory. They get, as I said, a glimpse of his glory. It is a visual story. But what does God do with this visual story? He turns it into an oral story. What was a story about seeing becomes about hearing. Hearing. And I know I've told you this a dozen times and I'll tell it till they bury me. For Christians, we see with our ears. We see with our ears. There's not one of us here that will see Jesus the way they saw him at least before the resurrection. We will not see him that way. We see with our ears. We hear the stories and what? That's how we see. We see him. That's what I said. When you're reading your, your Bible, that's how you see Jesus. When, when, when you're with a group of friends studying the Bible, that's how you see Jesus. Don't expect it. Heaven. I don't tell you what to do. (laughs) I would say, don't expect to see him standing there. Look at the page. And you'll see him. In the words, in the promises, he comes. That's why I talk to you. That's why, you know, I just keep talking, don't I? Trying to say what Jesus says. I love you. You're forgiven. It's my will to heal you to give you life in my name. I love you so much, I died for you. I'm risen for you. I live for you. See, those are his promises, for you, for you. I I just keep saying them. If if we go to the baptism font, whether you're baptized as a kid or an adult or whatever, Luther says in his little catechism, he says, it isn't water that does it, it's what? Water together with the word. In baptism, water is just water, just water. But the word makes it precious water. The promise of God makes it precious water. He wants you as his child. And in baptism, he claims you as his child. Young, old, middle-aged, 80 years old, it doesn't matter. He's claiming you as his child. He wants you. At that table, I take a plate of bread, and I say his words. They're not my words, they're his words. This is my body given for you. You see, he's speaking. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. They're his words. You see, and in those words, in those words, you can get a glimpse of his glory. He's present for you, for you always for you. He loves you, forgives you, claims you, owns you, takes you, keeps you. And sometimes I pray you get a glimpse of that glory. Now, I'm not so naive to think that every one of you, every time you come and kneel at that rail, or every time I preach, I, well, I'd like to think every time I preach, you go, oh! <gasps> Jesus just got me but I know that doesn't happen some of you are thinking about what you're going to have for Sunday dinner or where you're going to go this afternoon or, or you know is, is Aunt Harriet going to die or is she going to live those kinds of things I know you're doing that but some of you some of the time get a glimpse of that glory some of you some of the time when you, need, you get the same gift whether you know it or not you get the same gift some of you get a glimpse of his glory at that table. And sometimes you just, you just get a piece of bread and a sip of wine and, and you, you take it in your head. You know, he's giving himself to me, but there's no, there's no warm spot in your heart, is there? I'm, am I being honest? Yeah, I hope so. I, yeah, that's true. But sometimes it happens. And it will happen. This is my promise, but I'll make it anyway. It will happen. He will come because he says, I will not forsake you. I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. And he does come. And you will get those glimpses of glory. Today, maybe. Next week, maybe. Sometime, surely. And you'll get enough uh, what's Paul say about that Throwing in the flesh? My grace is sufficient for you. You'll get enough. You'll get enough to sustain you through life and into the kingdom.